Welcome to Automation Notes, brought to you by Doc Digitizer. The Automation Notes podcast is a collection of new and inspiring insights about intelligent automation. We will discuss with the world's leading intelligent automation minds the most recent trends, success stories, and promising projects in the intelligent automation space. But before we dive into today's show, if you want to take your automation projects to an all-new level, leveraging critical data locked in your documents, photos, or emails, visit DocDigitizer.com and find out how you can deploy the world's most reliable intelligent document processing platform in less than one day. Thanks to its proprietary technology, using the most advanced AI breakthroughs in cognitive automation, natural language processing, and a built-in expertly designed human in the loop, Doc Digitizer offers the world's first all-inclusive intelligent document processing platform. They also offer unusual features like handwrite support, complex table data extraction, fraud detection, and out-of-the-box integration with UiPath, BluePrism, Automation Anywhere, and many other automation tools. So stop spending months getting data sets and training models to deploy an IDP tool and then end up with costly human-in-the-loop data validation on every single document. But don't just take my word for it. Take the word of leading global 2,000 organizations, all loving and using Doc Digitizer to unlock hyper-automation over complex and unstructured mission-critical processes. Head over to DocDigitizer.com and start your all-inclusive IDP journey. But it is now time for one more incredible Automation Notes show. Hello and welcome to our show. My name is John Fernandes. I'm the founder and CEO of DocDigitizer, and I will be your host for today's episode of Automation Notes. Today we have a special episode. We have Lace from Xenex Organic and David from Red Hood. Uh, so welcome, guys, and thanks for being on our show. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for the invite, John. So this, I think, is the first time we have two guests on the same episode. So I'm very excited. Let's see how this goes. Um, this was uh, Les's idea. Uh, so let's start there. Les, why two uh, amazing guests on one single episode? Well, I think to some extent, right? The first thing, looking inside, I think I, I get a little tired sometimes of hearing my own statements about things because you, sometimes, you know, you repeat yourself a little bit. And I also like to, you know, get challenged to go in different directions. And then I've had a lot of talks with Devin outside of, uh, of being, you know, uh, on LinkedIn. We've connected uh, two years ago, I think, Devin or something, first yeah. off. And I really enjoy our conversations all the time. It always gets a little deeper. Uh, Devin has 10 years or more experience in automation as well. So it, it becomes something that, and he's also interested in tons of things around IT and, and, and automation. So it, it, it takes some different alleys, right? So I thought, let's get Devin on. Let's, let's do it, me and Devin and, and Wow, and see where, where this takes us. And then I'm really happy Devin said, that's a great idea. And you said as well, right? Perfect, perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. And, and, and having two different perspectives is always very insightful and, and juicy. Uh, can you share with our audience who you are for the people that don't know you and what you do at your companies? Yeah, you want to go first, Lasse? As well, I can do that. Uh, my name is Lasse Rindam. I'm the head of digital at Sense Organic. We are a, uh, what do you call it, a sustainable beauty brand from uh, uh, originating in Denmark that are expanding uh, across, uh, first of all, Europe right now, but also globally with distributors 
with our uh, certified uh, beauty pro beauty products, so high high end beauty products. So that's something I joined because uh, they have a really good uh, you know environmental goal and they had some high growth ambitions and I thought it was an interesting journey. Before that, I was uh, the chief digital officer at Begatilly uh, Denmark, where I was designing the strategy for digital. Um, uh, our digital offerings to our clients, and before that, I was the head of uh, global automation, the, the the technical head of the global automation setup at ISS. Uh, yes, so that's basically it. That's what I've done. I've also been a consultant for many years, also with uh, automation. So I've ha I have a you know both sides of the table, SMB and enterprise level uh, knowledge about about this topic. That explains why you know so much, Lasse. <laughs> I'm a historian. I'm a historian, by the way. My education. I'm a historian by education. My master thesis was about, you know, royal courts and slaves in the Ottoman Empire. So oh, wow. we can also discuss that at another in another part. So that kind of makes sense, even. <laughs> and what about you, Devin? Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm Devin. I'm. Uh, I originated, started my career in SAP. I was an SAP consultant, actually working for SAP, and and. Uh, back in the day, I already started working on automation topics. Um, and I went to, to work on the SAP client side for a couple of years. So I've seen all the goods and the bads and the uglies of working as a software, working at a software company and then working on an on a actual customer that suffers from that stuff. And then for the past 11 years, I've been in Redwood. Redwood is a provider of an automation platform as a software as a service. Um, and we we are very much focused on automating the more complex, the more long running, the very critical core value chain processes of organizations, which is a different flavor of automation compared to what traditionally RPA is doing, as an example. But over the last decade, I've seen a, a lot of things and a lot of programs and projects around that kind of scope. Fantastic. And and how, how did you uh, what? What was the first contact you guys had with, with intelligent automation? Um, so you already mentioned that uh, you had some previous projects with already with automation or, or RPA or intelligent let's, automation. Let's, but let's, what? Just, <laughs> let's just put the ground first here, right? Okay. So we're talking intelligent automation. Are we talking hyper automation? I need to know. You know I, I'm, I'm a little <laughs> curious here. What are we really talking about, right, guys? So, oh, am I now a boomer in this market because I said hyper automation? Oh, we don't use that word anymore. That was that's three years ago. No, do you so, know? No, do you know no. what? I have I have a placeholder that says put here the the last trending word you can find on Google. And <laughs> last week was intelligent automation. <laughs> It's but brilliant. feel free, free, free to use the intelligent automation term as broadly as you want. But what and were your first contacts with this with this space? Secondly, I, I think also uh, that that you know automation and also intelligent automation to some extent. You know, you can't really differ, differentiate it from ordinary IT endeavors. Yeah. You know, saying that saying that IT is not automation is is the most it, it is, I think, actually, it is a semantic problem that we have in this space that no one really wants to talk about. I talk about it all the time that, you know, uh, that IT would be nothing if it didn't automate things for people. You know, you, you, you wouldn't see an ERP system coming up in the 90s that didn't automate processes. You know, that's, that's idiotic. You know, that, that's why we invented these things, right? So IT is all about automation. So to some extent, you know, uh, when you expand your IT coverage of your company, you're doing intelligent automation, right? To some extent. 
Exactly. And and so, I have a particular question on that. So don't spoil that question. And just answer the question. When did you start to have this the first experience uh, in in automation projects? I think me I, I did I did auto hotkey 10 years ago and that was where I started. That's uh, UI scraping. Uh, I can beat I can beat that last yeah, I know you can Kevin. I know I know you can. I, before I before I actually started working full time I was a student uh, developer in a uh, semiconductor company and I built their intranet that was like 20 something years ago back in that day I automated stuff How old are you, 27 <laughs> you built their internet what the? what I built their internet yes um That was in 2001. So I'm, I'm 42 now, 42, the answer to all questions of the universe. Oh, that's right. Um, and in 2002, I, I part of building some automations in that company, I automated a process using AutoIt, which was a, a, a surface automation tool, freeware back in the day. And back in the day, nobody knew about RPA or the term intelligent automation. They just called it UI scraping. And I built some stuff with that back in the day. Fantastic. I think also, right, Juan, we should be a little bit on topic, right? We should say internet automation, that would be RPA as the beginning of it to some extent. And RPA was, uh, was uh, as I believe, uh, first a phrase when you added a scheduler and audit logs to your UI scraping tools, right? And yeah. that's where, you know, I'd say, when did we first start working with that? I think for me, that was actually five or six years ago, I think. Uh, using the first RPA tool for me. So, that, but, that, but, that. but it's always, always am amazing to see that although this space may seem very trending and new, uh, the, the roots are back in the days where people just uh, were scripting out UI based automation. So, there, in, in some extent, there is nothing new uh, on the root of the concept of intelligent automation. Is just bringing a name and a space to, to something that people uh, already did for 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 a lot of time. Davin, I'm, I'm very curious because I I saw on your on your LinkedIn that you are your role is automation evangelist, yes, which is a which which it's a pretty trending name I, I must say. <laughs> so uh, so there there must be uh, a lot of marketing there, but but I'm curious. What do you do? <laughs> well, first of all, I, I talk to people a lot. Like my, my job is predominantly talking to people, which is, and most of the people I talk to are customers uh, or organizations that are interested in working with Redwood. And the idea behind that is to help them develop meaningful automation strategies. Uh, to, a lot of the things we'll be discussing today is connected to cutting through hype in some shape or form. I, I, I will, I'm anticipating that a little bit. And as I'm as I'm talking to leaders in in, my, in our customer organization, it, it has to be you find to have to find find a balance between defining very ambitious goals for your tra transformation programs and how you want to use automation to accomplish that, and like a grounded, realistic view of what's doable, what's feasible in a certain in a certain time frame. And because I've been doing automation from a product development, from an implementation, from a project management perspective for more than 10 years, I decided that I'd rather focus on that stuff so I can, I can help our customers succeed and I can share that knowledge that I've gained over the last decade to, to make it feasible for everybody. Like that's kind of my, my definition of the evangelist uh, or in the, in the fancy title uh, of being evangelist. 
And and a question for 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 both of you. Uh, do you think companies are now more mature uh, when it comes to designing this automation and transformation projects? Uh, because I, I, I see a lot of failures in the market, and I think this is very much related with with their maturity. So, can you comment on this? What what are your feelings about it? Well, I think I think uh, I said I said some things uh, in uh, earlier about you know that that for instance adding adding AI is easy. You see a lot of these PowerPoints. I say slideware saying AI is easy, right? Not software, but slideware, where you just you just need they say you know you just need to have your structured historical data and then you're good to go. But no one has that, and that's still the problem. Companies don't have structured historical data in, in, in typical those amounts that they need. You know, so it's easy to say we just we can fix climate change. As I, I said that before, we just need unlimited free green energy right <laughs> then it's fixed no problem right so so it's it's kind of the same statement i think and i think uh, i think uh, that's that's also the problem when you attach automation to anything and have done previously is that you don't have the right data for it you don't know all the cases that's going to pop up uh, you and if you do you, you still just know the historical cases you don't know the future cases right There's always the problem with the historical bias in, in this area right we don't know what's going to happen in the future and we we can't really necessarily know what's going to happen um so 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 that puts a lot of constraints on anything you implement any automation endeavor you implement i think that's part of the problems for a lot of companies i would say though and i think me and devin discussed that last time we chatted uh, privately uh was that uh, that um, i think the the push from rpa i think Uh, that the RPA, you know, hype that's been for the last five years, at least six, seven years, basically since UiPath started, started running rampant on evangelists and everything, uh, <laughs> is is that it put, made a push on on every system to open have open APIs. So right now you can't see any company buying a new tool, new system without open APIs, and that is obviously obviously something that's driving intelligent automation in completely different ways than before. You can now connect things uh, out of the box. Uh, and no one in their right mind would buy a, a tool, a software system today that didn't have open APIs, right? Yeah. So I think that's something, that's the maturity. That's more on the tech market, maybe, from a push there and some movements there than it necessarily is on the companies being being better at their data, better at their processes. I don't think that's, that's necessarily um, possible, actually, to, to become, you know, flawless in your process and data mapping. Anyway. Yeah, David, I have do you a, want to comment? <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I mean, I could talk about this for probably two hours and, and just by itself, this Let's question. But um, I think I would argue that over the course of the last five to six years, business departments have learned a lot of stuff about automation that IT already knew for three decades. They have, re, they have gone through the same pains and headaches and problems trying to automate stuff that their IT peers knew. But I think the fundamental, the fundamental growth that we've seen with RPA was driven by this gap between business and IT because business needed agility, flexibility, fast results, and IT just wasn't able to deliver that, period. There are hundreds of reasons and good reasons for that, but that fundamental difference, that led to the success of this market. And it's a budgeting the, issue also, Devin, right? The budgeting, you know, it's IT not, it's is not, seen as a cost, think, whereas business is a profit, so you can add more money. I've seen I, I, I've seen automation departments as big as IT departments, right? It's like stupid. I think that Road, it, it, no wonder IT couldn't lift it. 
it's not just that. I think there is a there is there, it's out and like coming back to what I said earlier. I, I'm analyzing and I've, I've been investing a lot of energy into understanding human behavior and psychology. I think business business departments or business functions see the world completely differently than IT departments, and that different perspective and value system is causing that chasm. And they, you could say they, these speak dollars and these speak Java uh, and that kind of clashes, right? And then over the last years, you've seen that everybody did some form of POC or trial or implementation of RPA or intelligent automation capabilities. And they all try and they all succeeded on a very small scale. They did, they had an RPA developer here that built a fantastic use case for invoice processing. But the moment they tried to scale it up, to, to process hundreds of thousands of invoices, they realized, oh, shit, it's really hard to scale. We have to make this repeatable, scalable. It has to perform. And by the way, it can't cost ridiculous amounts of money as we're scaling it. And guess what? That's what the IT department knew before, which is why they were so critical and so slow. And it's just that, as I said, that business functions are going through the same learning curve over the last years which has now normalized the hype that we've, we've been seeing in this space. And now people are resetting their expectations and what's achievable and what's reasonable. Uh, so, so I think you're putting a very euphemistic spin on this, Devin, you know, <laughs> trying to make it sound pretty. You know? Oh, they learned some things. So basically what they did, you know, they were like, you're stupid in IT. Now, and then they went to do did something. Then they went and did something really stupid. And then they gave it back to IT again and said, okay, we were stupid. And I'm, I'm always trying to be polite, Lasse. So. Yeah, 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 <laughs> But I will make you uh, 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 a tough question. <laughs> what do you think the IT departments can learn from uh, this automation business-driven approach? So you mentioned the other way around. So uh, business folks are learning the pains of implementing software, but it's, uh, is it possible for the IT to learn something from, from this also? I think, oh, yeah, obviously there are things to learn, right? But, but, but first of all, I'd say, you know, let's, let's start by, 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 uh, by not telling people they can get a bot for everyone and avoid operations, right? The reason IT is slow on things is because they know if they implement this tool with you, they'll ask you, first of all, who's going to support it when it breaks? And you'll be like, oh, I hate that question. So I'm just going to do some citizen developer, bot for everyone. Come on, UiPath, whoever, come and give it to me, you know, bot for everyone. And then it's fixed two years later. Who's operating the bots? Oh, I don't know. And then it goes back to IT again, because IT said we need someone to operate it. So that's the boring questions. And, and that's also what I said before about budgeting, right? So if you put the budgets, and instead of saying, you know, you believe that this, this could be the fix for everything, just enhance the budgets in IT, I think they could, they could easily become this enabler for the business. But in very many organizations, and, you know, a lot of them, IT is a cost center where you just, you know, try to pull it down, keep it low, right? Uh, and then you invest in other areas of the business, and that's why you put your that's why you put your automation. And you know, they usually automation centers are very often under the CFO, so he's investing something here, right? Whereas the CIO budget is driven down. It's this really weird thing going on here with budgeting. So suddenly, as I said before, you have five guys sitting in an automation department, and you have four guys sitting in IT, right, in small companies, and that's like idiotic. Why are you doing that? You know, they're just sitting managing bots that could have been done built the right way into the systems right it's something's completely wrong here and it's about budgeting as well and about not wanting to buy the tough side of things right but but as you said we, it knows what it's going to be like does it not know what business is about it does it actually does 
but it also knows that in, in order to do anything, you need structured data. You need correct data. And they look at it from that way, right? Everything business does is a data transaction as well. Data transactions are everything. And I'm not saying that because I'm an autist IT guy, but it's <laughs> everything. <laughs> but really, when you buy things online, you get data, you get data back, and, you know, it's data flows. You can ask uh, Harari, you know, the one, the Sapiens, Homo Deus, the books, you know, read them. He also says it's data transaction. Everything is data transaction. So looking at it from that perspective, IT is not doing anything wrong. They haven't been doing anything wrong. They've just been under budget, you know, under, you know, under staff, basically. I, I, I'm not fully agreeing to that, Lasse. <laughs> I mean, I... Um... Here's my take more. on it. I think, I think IT has a skills problem. IT has always been the place where they just run stuff. They haven't been in, in, inventing stuff sufficiently. Have They're very good at running. Do that? Have they been asked to do that? Oh, I think they have been asked. I think that it's it's there. To my previous point, there is an attitude shift that needs to happen in IT, and I, I think the role of IT is not to be an operator. But they have to be like a software company inside the organization, which is a completely different mindset. And that is what they have to learn. They have to learn that they're providing digital solutions to their internal customers or to the external customers Mm. that requires product management mindset. It requires value chain thinking mindset. It's not just about running, running the virtual machines, which is a lot of the muscle memory that IT has is they just know how to run stuff. They know how to make IT uh, like the the, the ITIL processes uh, and and make that even more complicated and put tons of governance around it. But they forget about driving innovation and being more pragmatic and more goal oriented. That is what they have to take away from this crisis, and they will IT will come out successful out of this crisis, if you will, if they manage to shift to become a product organization, not an infrastructure organization. I see, no, you know, one of my, one of my friends once said that, or also a, a vendor we used at ISS, said that a good bot is a working bot. And that's quite important, a running bot, right? So it has to run and compete, continue running. And IT is extremely good at that, as you said, that. And so they're kind of part of this whole automation yeah. setup. You need IT in it very much as the basis, I think. Uh, but I agree with you. Uh, with demo, we say you could have a no hat on where you say no all the time. And they need to take off the no hat and get the yes hat on and say, yes, you know, you have the IT saying, no, we can't do this. I had to put on the yes hat, right? <laughs> so, they, so they say yes a little bit more. And then they have to work on, as I always say, you know, flexibility, scalability, not necessarily talking scale, but scalability, being flexible in every every manner of the of the word, right? And and I used to say um, for myself as as a what do you call a, a, a rule, like a rule of life, or what do you what do you call that, doxa something. I don't know, ethos that that whenever people come to me with a problem, I will take it seriously and try to solve it, no matter what it is, no matter exactly. what it is. And and if I don't, if I can't solve it with the skills I have in my automation, I will I will make sure to source it to the right one and send it on to the right one who knows how to do it. You know, it the problem has to be solved. That was like the key, right? And if IT took on that perspective instead of being no, you can't do that. Goodbye. Then I think yeah, right. But that was that's still again that's then you need to have these internal evangelists from IT as well that, that go around, you know, sniffing, do you have problems, right? What are you doing? How are you doing? Oh, I can just looking over the shoulders of pe- people sitting there typing. But do you have the people, you know, that has time to just go around looking over shoulders to people? No. You have to have, pe- that's what I meant with a skill set, you know, I think you have yeah. to have different skill sets and that's the biggest problem I see. In- and, and, and guys, uh, most of the growth uh, of, of the recent growth of RPA uh, was based on this idea that you can 
push forward automation even though the technical skills are scarce so so you, you can everybody can develop a bot uh, a bot for everyone it's like the trend nowadays uh, but I think this clashes a lot to, to what you you mentioned and 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 highlights the problems that you you mentioned regarding scalability operations. So uh, how do you see this uh, this this fitting the reality? So RPA vendors pushing forward low code no code solutions for everybody to be developing a lot of shadow IT it seems and uh, IT departments that are very scarce on 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 talent. Um, so is this marketing? Is this a reality? Is this impacting the success of RPA? Oh, there are so many, you know, semantic <laughs> issues here. You know, right? So you're also talking about, you know, so there's scarce resources in IT that can do these things. So let's hire someone who doesn't have the capacity. So like, so you're asking people to do things they don't know how to do because you can't hire the right people to do it. You know, that, that's, that's, that's a whole problem in that, you know, would you ever do that in any other area? You know, we don't have a chef, so we'll just get another guy to act as a chef. You know, do you get my point? So if if resources are scarce for IT, they're also scarce for the same things in, in business, right? So you're not just going to, we just, oh, we're just going to look in a completely different, you know, education background and then ta-da, it's fixed. You know, I don't, I don't, I really don't believe in that. But that's one thing. Uh, I also think that, that, uh, uh, Fixing it with with these citizen developers and just pushing it out is 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 it's just going to give you a lot of you know operation issues. You're going to have a lot of things that people are relying on. We've seen everyone seeing okay, we have to we actually have 20 years or 25 years of experience with this, right? It's not something we just seen with RPA. We have Excel macros, right? So the guy leaves the company. What happens? Nobody David. knows. <laughs> no one knows, right? What happens? Yeah. The guy made this really big macro. It works on everything. He leaves the company. So uh, let's just redevelop it, right? <laughs> let's just start over. We don't know what he did. So that it always happens. It happens everywhere, right? So we actually know what happens when you put it into a citizen developer with no documentation requirements, no no code uh, quality or, or how to write it, right? Because it is code. Even though it's low code, it's still code, right? So And, and there's logics to it. The logics. It's not the code language. People think it's the code language that's difficult. It's not. It's the logics that's difficult. It always is. You can have the easiest interface in the world, but just having to loop, make the loops and the ifs, you know, it's just fucking people's minds up. That's the way it is. So I, I really don't, <laughs> I, but it is, it's like, that's why you have your discrete mathematics, right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not wrong here, but, but so that's why I really don't believe it. You can just push it out there. I also think there are, there are, and this is my last thing, right? On this, and then Devin, you can chip in. I think there are two mega trends in this, right? As well, you know, we talk about the mega trend of IT security and data integrity. That's something that compliance is something that we're really high on and it's growing because of, you know, macro politics and everything that's going on in the world. This is growing. This is this is higher on the agenda. And then we talk about intelligent automation. The other side, we want a lot of automation. We're going, let's move faster with our data. So one thing, be careful with our data. Secondly, move faster with our data. And they, they don't rhyme, right? So you have a guy, you don't want to give him your, uh, you, you don't want to give him access to bulk upload to SAP. He can't just fuck up your entire customer database with a bulk upload or delete everything. But but then you when you give him you know access to the interface and then you say, here's a bot for you. Have fun. Right? What do you think the guy's gonna do? You know, everyone can develop a bot, but everyone can also now fuck up your entire data and your entire system. That's that's what you're doing, right? So yes, he could do something nice or he could ruin it all. 
And I've seen people ruin it all. That's that's. I've actually seen what do exactly this with the customer database, customer table. Just set a bot to ah, oh, just develop this. I think it works. Play, go home for the weekend. Coming back Monday, no clients anymore. And they just moved around. They shift company and everything because he made a, a tapping error or something, right? You know, that's just that. That's the thing, you know. And if they don't work together, those two mega trends and how we can merge them. I think that's interesting, and that's why I'm saying it has to go back to IT, a flexible IT. You can say that, Devin, add skill sets to IT, but it has to be an IT that has scalability as well as the operational capability. Operations is extremely important in intelligent automation. You can't say that enough. Yeah, Devin, your take. I think. Uh... I think of this in process layers. Maybe I'm I'm a little more theoretical about this in the, in the scope of that. But I look at this in terms of complexities and that you're managing with the people and the skills and the tools, and what your expectations are. Let me let me explain. So I, I like the analogy of the Excel macro because that's exactly what RPA does. So it's just more. It's an Excel macro on steroids because it can automate everything in addition to Excel in the screen of a single person. Now, if you want to drive efficiencies in the scope of what a single person does, it's a perfect thing. And that might be something that you're pursuing because you can you can make a 5% effectiveness increase by giving people the ability to build bots that do their job a little more effectively. If you want to drive standard processes, governance, consistency, data quality, it's a bad idea to do it because every single citizen developer will code their stuff differently. Then you will add layers of governance and layers of governance and layers of controls and checks and version controls. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a place that you have a COE with 200 RPA developers or citizen developers that need to be governed and, and like, like a, a herding cat, which then again drives costs, drives issues, and all the kind of stuff we've discussed already. So you have to make up your mind as a company what it is it that you're trying to accomplish with this initiative. Do you want to just drive 5% efficiency increase or do you want to make sure you have standardized and clear and governed processes? Either way, you have to pick a different approach and a different set of technologies and a different set of skills and people to drive that outcome. And the thing that's going wrong these days is that we're trying to accomplish the strategic harmonization with the wrong toolkit because we fall for some of the wrong promises that they're giving us. That's my yeah, take. That's, on like it. It. that's also a point I'm making often, right? Is is RPA really a transformational tool or a quick fix tool? You you get both of them. If I say it's a quick fix tool, people will be like, oh, but it's also transformational. And I'll be like, yeah, but it can't be both, right? It's not Schrodinger's RPA, right? Schrodinger's cat, you know, thing. And you also say, oh, and then say, then you criticize for being not a good transformational tool. And they'll be like, oh, but it's good for quick fixes. Come on, guys. You know, either or, right? <laughs> And if you have a legacy system, you know, you're not going to fix the legacy system by adding another layer of legacy on top of it, because that's what RPA will be if you but, add it like this. But I, th I think the point I was we were discussing earlier in terms of the education that has happened, I think over the last five to six years, people are now becoming much more realistic about what it, what what technologies are fit for what use cases. And if, if I look, look at intelligent automation or hyper automation, you can these days see that that there is an acknowledgement, at least everywhere, that you have different sets of tools and capabilities and skills to deliver different results. And I think for me, that's an encouraging result. I always, I'm a, I'm a positive person, but I find it very encouraging to see that this is happening, that people have been more educated yeah. and are making more educated decisions in terms of their expectations 
from this. But let me just ask you a question, David. Let me just ask you a question here on this this note and your positivity thinking. All right. Let's see if you can give me a euphemistic answer to this one. Why? <laughs> why do we have why do we have user interfaces that restrict people to typing one you know person at a time and then give them bots? It's not like we couldn't make the user interface like just bulk upload. We know we can do that. You know, we, we work, we come from IT backgrounds. We know that we can do things with IT to make it much easier to fuck up at all, all the data. I, I shouldn't say fuck up all the time. You don't necessarily do that. But, but, okay. but no, what my quick key, key question here is actually why slow is a design sometimes, right? And, and how does that harmonize with, with automation and especially RPA bots? Because the systems of record are built by people. Like, but you if, want, I mean, I, I'm sometimes, you know, you know, you build an interface, right, in SAP, right? Yeah. Okay, to, to type in new customers or something. Yeah. The, it comes up with con controls asking you, uh, are you yeah. sure you want to type this in? Is this right? Uh, you're lacking, blah, blah, blah. Oh. If well, you this, automate this is the controls, right, if you automate the controls, you're basically having two IT systems, you know, talking to each other and, and you're you, not you, getting any control. So are we just it, saying goodbye, controlling? We don't need that on our clients. No, 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 is, okay. Has anyone in the companies make that decision? I have, we don't I have need controlling on our clients anymore. We don't need that. We just I have just the euphemic answer for you on that one. Yeah. Because <laughs> there is a fundamental mindset that a lot of people have across the world is, is a business transactional mindset. And what I mean with that is if you look at any system of record, it is designed and built for people to run transactions. And a person can only record a customer at a time. And if the screen is built for that purpose, that there is a human sitting here, keying in the data record of that new client. And with that mindset, ERP systems, BI systems, and other systems are being developed, which leads us to this thing first place. If you look at an MES software that runs industrial constructions and production sites, they're not built like that. But most of the standard business business applications that are running back office functions have been built for humans to operate them, which is why we landed here in the first place. But Evan, yeah, in, 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 in a way, in a way, in a way, what I think Lass is 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 uh, highlighting is that we are providing the tools for people to hack the system. So uh, they are By not passing the controls, right? By exactly. The controls. They, they, they are not RPA developers. They are hackers that are trying to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to uh, uh, I don't know, to, to 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 do batch processing on top of systems that are uh, not prepared to do that. So so I'm I, the SAP I think, engineer, right? I'm the SAP uh, engineer. I sat down uh, with the CFO. And we agreed a control on customer creation, right? We agreed on which exactly. have control, asking people, are you sure this is the customer, the, the thing you want to type in here? Are you sure? Because they're going to get an email in a second. Then yeah. some weird citizen developer junior guy in that department just made a bot for it. He didn't care about it because he said yes every time. <laughs> no one looks at it. Is that, but, is well, that... The fundamental flaw here is that you, you define the manual control. Yeah, as long as you define... That's what it is, right? In UIs. And when you do UI automation... <laughs> Exactly, guys. We need to move forward. So I, I will. I will ask you a question uh, that is very hard. I know, um, in in particular nowadays, where everything is changing. But how do you see this market uh, in in five years? What are the 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 trends in terms of technology that you see impacting the market? Some so, some takeaways on that. You go first, David. This time. Okay, I, th I think um, first and foremost, I think there is going to a consolidation will happen 
in, in some shape or form, a consolidation of technologies of providers that, that will shrink the diversity of tool sets and capabilities in what we call hyper automation today. Um, and also what will happen is that the aspects that Lasse uh, uh, was mentioning on operational scalability, for the lack of better words, these aspects will take over because in the end, that's the driving cost factor. We're all making automation to drive business improvement and reduce costs. If the cost increases equally, there's no point doing it. So that aspect will become a much more leading factor uh, in the next coming years, in addition to the consolidation of features and capabilities that we, we already have in like different tool sets of tools today. And, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The consolidation in different suites, right? Suite products that can do both RPA, both you know, uh, API integrations, being an iPaaS, being an RPA tool, and at the same time workflows, approvals, and low-code apps. Uh, I think that that's the skill sets. I know. I know I, a lot of people are talking now about AI. Uh, we also discussed that just before this uh, this meeting. I think I still think it's, it's it's like talking about not something that doesn't really exist, right? So we. we yeah. Um, so, so they they add that. Obviously, Microsoft added that to Power Automate, like AI builder. But what is it already? What do we want to do with it? I don't know. I think it's uh... it at it at least exists <laughs> on 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 the brochures and the white papers and powerpoints. So yeah, it's because it's, it's free, right? It's a free ride. Well, as I said it, before, we started this call. It's a free ride because you know I, I'm a historian, right? So I read Karl Popper. I said that before <laughs> as well about the falsification theory should be falsifiable, right? And and so if I say you you have a problem with your mother and you say no, I don't, I can say yes, you do. You just haven't found out yet. You can't falsify my statement ever, right? Exactly. So saying AI is going to do massive for your company is is not something that you can falsify because what is it? You know, oh, you just haven't found the right AI use case yet. Oh, it just you know, it keeps on going like that. It's, 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 it's free, it's cheap, it's just blah, you know, blah, 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 right? And oh, you see all these other memes going on on LinkedIn as well saying that whenever you take off the mask of AI, it's just ifs, right? Nested ifs and increased computing power. Well, yes. And statistics, statisticians going on like, well, we've been doing this for 20 years, right? Uh, 30 years. So what's new, guys? Yeah, that if was my that comment. Yeah. yeah. Like I, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mathematician, Lasse. So I, I, <laughs> I was, I was doing this the other. I was like, this is nothing else than a statistical test, here. And, and it is like, and it is that. But I think I would agree there is value in it. But up until it becomes a very specific item, a very specific use case, it's not adding value. And I think that's the kind of balancing act that will have to happen over the next years is that we have specific use cases where AI or machine learning is applied to a level of quality that is better than the if-else statements. But, Devin, but it's going to be embedded in systems, you know. It's going to be embedded in SAP, embedded in Business Central, embedded in your uh, Salesforce. It's going to be embedded in the systems you work with Because, already. yeah, I agree. And because it, only then it's going to be specific invisible. to the yeah, only, And only then it's going to be large scale and it's going to be mm -hmm. invisible to you. It's not going to be like, we have this AI bot running over here. It's not like, you know, we have Microsoft in Lyngby in Denmark where they have a quantum computer. It's in a room and people wear white capes there or something, white <laughs> sheets, you know, <laughs> walking around with tokens, you know, looking like, oh, we're looking at the quantum computer. Is it? We have have it right here you don't have that with AI. it's not like we have the ai here right we're not going to get that that's why whenever it's ai it's because it's bullshit that's my <laughs> point but when it's called something else right like when it's called google maps it's something exactly but then you don't call it ai anymore because if that one is actually very much ai and when i'm driving it's telling me you should probably go here you know it's actually taking or you an agent in my life telling me to drive somewhere else <laughs> but the right, the, because there are a lot of cars on the other road, and you can see it will be congestion in a moment. 
That's, then it's, then the AI is becoming an agent. I'm not even noticing. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Going to drive over there, right? <laughs> so you get my point, right? When it's called AI, it's bullshit. But when but it is there. It's just everywhere. It's just different yeah, places. Yeah, it's totally. it's broken. It's there also in Meta. It's just broken, right? The Facebook feed <laughs> is crap. They don't know what they're doing, but it's there. Definitely. Last you you are you are killing all the marketing departments of leading <laughs> software companies in the world. But no, but, you know, it's just easy to talk on the top of Mount Stupid. Let's talk about something that matters to people. Let's tell them that this is about data and data flow. Exactly. Oh, like the AI of Lace is is block his connection. Ah, breaking up. <laughs> Guys, uh, we are about to to end our episode, so I I, uh, I always like to ask our guests for um, for a suggestion, a recommendation of, of of a book, podcast, or person to follow. Uh, not sure, Devin, if you want to uh, uh, start. Um, I, I would recommend a book that I've read a couple of months ago, which is called Value Proposition Design. Mm -hmm. It looks like this. It's mirrored. Okay. I, can, I can't see it. And the reason I recommend it is because it helps you to think about, to the point I was making earlier about how to build digital solutions and how to communicate and promote your digital solutions effectively. It is a very good guide to, to do get that right because it applies empathy. Like in, in doing uh, all the things we're discussing and in coming back to my psychology stuff that I'm always talking about, um, If you want to get your strategy right in IT and in delivering automation and transformation, you have to apply empathy to understand what the internal or external customer actually wants. And this document is a good guideline to formalize that thinking and to give you some kind of playbook how to how to do that. Fantastic. We I think we lost Lars, but, but uh, <laughs> I know he's joining. He's joining again. Lars. Sorry, I think you know. I'm <laughs> It was just going on a rant against AI, and then like, oh, you get <laughs> something kicked in. <laughs> Streamyard AI was like, no, you're not saying that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I was asking, I was asking uh, uh, David to Maybe share. We do have an AI anyway. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, at least your smartphone is hearing you every time. So, uh, what what is your recommendation of a book or a person to follow? Me. Yeah. Uh, You're asking me. That's good. Uh, so basically, I say I thought about this a little bit, right? But I think for RPA, uh, um, there's still this uh, the formula podcast. I'm not saying that just because I was the first uh, external you know guest, but I think actually it had a lot of very nice insights over over all the all the parts that were done, or the interviews that were done from cool people who built scale setups as well, as well as some uh, some evangelists uh, too. So formulated is is, is a nice uh, part. I also uh, I've I've been really happy to follow uh, the Horses for Sources, which is now the HFS research as well. They've they made a research company out of it that's very successful. But the HF Horses for Sources blog was what started it. It's a really good blog, very honest all the time. And you can also find the I think they ten years ago were the first to phrase uh, RPA term. So I think that that's their claim to fame, right? Um, it was run by Phil First, uh, so I definitely also recommend to follow him and follow on what they are saying. Um, I think every now and then some some nice things are coming out of there. Obviously, a lot of other people, but but um, but but I can mention none none mentioned none none what do you call it? say none forgotten something right. And how, how can our audience reach out to you uh, and know more about your companies? Well, well, I would say the easiest way is probably to to connect us via LinkedIn. That's the let's say the most 
straightforward path. Uh, if people are reaching out, I'm happy to connect and, and talk and get in touch for sure. So just feel free to reach out. Yeah, yeah, and some of the things we haven't even really touched about. This has been a lot about you know breaking out, uh, you know the breaking down the the marketing uh, stuff and what's been going on. What's really the reality behind it? But a lot of uh, deployments and the recommendations on how you actually work with the vendor and work with the strategy. We also. I've done that. Devin has done that. I think that there's a lot of things we could also talk about that could be of great value to people who are actually trying to do things here, right? Uh, because it we, may, may sound like don't do anything at all, right? But that's not the case, <laughs> you know. Just, just I think my the key case is just you know remember that 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 this automation didn't dump you know it didn't come to Moses on Mount Sinai. It was not like out of the sky. It is an incremental development IT tools that has led us to intelligent automation. And that's why some of the same learning, some of the same philosophies that we've had for years in IT still apply, unfortunately, exactly. to automation. I think you just share a sneak peek for a second episode with you guys. So <laughs> like, uh, I, think, I think we have content for a second episode. Uh, but, but hosting this one was really a pleasure. So having two guests uh, was uh, an amazing experience and thank you very thank you very thank you again for taking the time out to meet me and to share all these insights with me thank you very much it was a pleasure man yeah it was brilliant joe thank you for inviting us thank you i have been your host joe fernand and this has been automation notes see you next time what a fantastic show. So many incredible takeaways. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to stay updated with the most recent intelligent automation trends, success stories, and promising projects, please subscribe to Automation Notes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, and YouTube. You can find the links in the subscription. We release a new episode every two weeks. But before we leave you today, if you want to take your automation projects to an all-new level, Leveraging critical data locked in your documents, photos, or emails, visit docdigitizer.com and find out how you can deploy the world's most reliable intelligent document processing platform in less than one day. You can get 100% accurate data from nearly any document with close to zero setup and a full pay-per-use model, all into a single API call. Whether you are looking to process a simple invoice, streamline your customer onboarding journey or get data from your legal contracts, Doc Digitizer will be your trusted IDP partner. Doc Digitizer offers an all-in-one, fully managed API, making intelligent document processing truly easy. But don't just take my word for it. Take the word of leading global 2,000 organizations, all loving and using Doc Digitizer to unlock hyper-automation over complex and unstructured mission-critical processes. Doc Digitizer is helping companies across multiple industries to reach their full potential through data by empowering their digital transformation, drive operational efficiency and human productivity, unlocking the power of their data. Head over to docdigitizer.com and start your all-inclusive IDP journey. Use the code AUTOMATIONNOTES10 and get 10% discount on any Doc Digitizer subscription. See you next time. Oh,